0: I do want to put a disclaimer right now, in case you didn't see it in our uh, online, but parental advisory, there will be Santa Talk today. So if your kids are in here with you and and you want them to to head out to Children's Church uh, out with Elevate Kids, uh, send them out now, okay? Parental advisory is going on right now. You were warned. So... This series that we're calling God is not Santa Claus, and we're going to be handing you some of these cards on your way out today because we want you to take them, come, and then give this card to somebody else or multiple people. Somebody already was talking to me this morning and said, hey, are are you guys going to talk about Jesus on Christmas Eve? Yes, we're talking about Jesus. And, And your friends want to hear about Jesus. And even if they don't think they do, they do. They do. So you can come. You can be here. We have three services this year, Saturday the 23rd. It's going to be the same service at 6.30 p.m. and then just going to be our two normal Sunday morning services on December 24th. That way you can still celebrate with your families that evening. So I hope you're getting excited about that and you're already thinking of the person you're going to invite or people. Bring a whole, get a whole stack. We've got a whole bunch of these. Give them out to, at work, where you recreate, or wherever you eat. Because we're going to have food here too. Yeah, just everywhere. So we are talking about Santa in this series, God is not Santa Claus. And I'm not doing this to in any way demean uh, any traditions that you and your family might participate in around this time of year. I don't care if you have a thousand elves on your shelves. Or if Santa comes and brings a whole boatload, a whole truckload of gifts every morning. I, I, whatever you do is cool. So that's, that this message is not at all denigrating that. I'm not up here saying Santa Claus is from the devil and you're going to hell if you practice Santa. I'm not going to say any of that stuff because it's a pretty fun tradition, right? You hear that every once in a while. That's not what this message or this series is going to be about. Instead, it's going to be about how we as Christians and as people in our country confuse and conflate God and Santa Claus. I'm serious, especially in our message today when we're going to see how people believe in Santa Claus in the same way they they believe in God. And people reject God because they reject Santa Claus as being real. Fair warning, right? I told you. So that's what we're talking about. There's this quote, and you saw it in the video, from Karen Armstrong that really uh, helped inspire this series. And she said that most of us first hear about God at about the same time as we are told about Santa Claus. Over the years, our ideas of Santa change, mature, and develop, yet our idea of God can get stuck at an infantile level. And our goal, my goal with this series, is that we can move beyond a childish view of God. Whether you believe in God and have, say, uh, or that you've rejected God and said, I don't think so. Whatever your position is, I want us all to move beyond that childish view of God. We're going to learn today about faith in particular, and then we're going to be looking next week at prayer. God doesn't just answer every wish like we Santa Claus. And then we're going to look at giving. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about my message is called Naughty or Nice. Mm, It's going to be fun. It's going to be a really good uh, Christmas Eve service. But today we're talking about faith because a lot of people think that, okay, you believe in God just like you believe in Santa Claus. I've heard atheists say this like, oh, yeah, it's just a childish belief to believe in God. To believe that Jesus saves you. I mean, that's just all this, this fun little game for kids. It helps keep kids in line. So we can get rid of God when we get older and mature. But that's such a sad view because believing in God is not the same as believing in Santa Claus. And we're going to see today that Christian faith is not Christmas magic. It's not. They're completely different things. You know, a lot of people really don't understand faith. I think it's the smartest people in our culture that misunderstand faith the most. People say, oh, you can be a man of reason, you can be a person of science, but you can't be a person of faith too. Or they'll say, yeah, that's fine if you practice your faith and your religion on Sunday mornings or on Saturdays or Fridays, whatever your faith is. That's fine, but but just don't bring that into academia, don't bring that into science. They're completely separate. They're different things. There's fact over here and then there's faith over there. That's what people say. And that's just not true. It's a complete misunderstanding of what faith, and in particular, Christian faith, is. Mark Twain once famously said that faith is believing what you know ain't so. Harvard professor Stephen Pinker said that universities are about reason, pure and simple. Faith, believing something without good reasons to do so, has no place in anything but a religious institution. CNN ran a special, sadly, called What is a Christian? And at the very end of it, the narrator said, after all, if you've got truth, it's not really faith at all. This is what people think, that there's fact, that there's truth, that there's reality over here, and faith is completely separate. Sure, you can practice your faith if you want to, but that's not reality. These things are pitted against each other. And and perhaps when it does come to Santa Claus, that may be true, When it comes to Christmas magic, it may be true, but not when it comes to Christian faith. Not when it comes to Christian faith. As we're going to learn today, that I don't want you to believe in a mythology, in these uh, mystery things that are all out there. Instead, we base our faith, and I want you to base your faith on a man, not a myth. Base your faith on a man, not a myth. historical person who truly lived, truly died, and truly rose from the dead. Base your faith on a real person, not a mythology. So what is faith? If it's so misunderstood, well, the Bible gives us a pretty good definition, and I, I think it's a great definition in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We read there that now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I think most people would say, yeah, that makes sense. Assurance about what we hope for, confidence in something we don't see, okay? So there is this confidence, this assurance about things you don't see. That's what faith is, right? You're taking a step of faith. We say that. But this leap, this step of faith that you take is not blind faith when it comes to Christianity. Christian faith is is not Christmas magic. You know, some people say in our culture, well, it's fine just believe in anything. Believe in anything you want to, as long as you're sincere in what you believe in. As long as you have that faith in the unseen, it's fine. But I would say that's stupid. I would say that's completely foolish and ignorant. Here's why. I want you to imagine for a second that you are on an airplane. You're on an airplane, and all of a sudden you hear over the loudspeaker, Uh, we're coming into some turbulence, and the plane starts to shake. Uh oh, it looks like, uh, we have some of our, uh, one of our engines. Nope, two of our engines are out. I think we're going down. So this is coming over the intercom. Everybody's freaking out, right? And you start praying. Pilot, please land this plane. Please land this plane. Please land this plane. You're a great pilot. I trust in you. You can do it. You've flown so many hours and, and you, so many planes. You can do this. It doesn't matter how much faith you have in the pilot. If he's a bad pilot, you are going to have a fiery end. You are going to crash and die. All that matters is whether the pilot is good or not. Whether he can do it or not, right? doesn't matter how much faith you have. So, So therefore, to believe in anything, to have faith in anything, that's not very good. It matters who you put your faith in. What you put your faith in. So that's why we're going to talk about how Christian faith is not Christmas magic. It's completely different. It matters who you believe in, and it matters that you believe in a real man, a real person who truly lived in history, and that matters so much more than anything else. We believe in a man, not a myth. You know, we we use that word believe and faith in our culture for a lot of different things. We do say we believe in God. We also say we believe the earth is round. We also say things... Like, I believe in a person, or even this last week I saw a news story, someone, a Coloradoan, I want to point this out, in Nebraska, My Nebraska friends posted this, believe they saw Bigfoot. In Nebraska, along North Platte, right right outside of the Platte River on, on North Platte. Yeah, that's where Bigfoot lives. Turns out that this woman said, yeah, Bigfoot lives near riverbeds. I never knew. I never knew. And in fact, that was the first sighting at North Platte, but there have been three others, according to this woman, throughout central Nebraska. So that's where Bigfoot lived. I missed him my five and a half years that I lived there. But see, people say they believe in Bigfoot the same way they believe in God. They believe in another person. They believe the earth is round. It's, it's a lot of different ways that we use the term belief, isn't it? It's a lot of different ways that we use belief. But we're talking about here is is different. You know, when people say they believe in Santa Claus in the same way, it gets lumped in there. And, and I... Have you ever noticed how crazy it is, some of our traditions we practice, those of you who are parents? I mean, you, you let the tooth fairy in your house, these elves crawling around all over the place, Santa sneaking in through the chimney. There's no way you can keep him out. Some people have leprechauns, too, that come St. Patty's Day. Man, we need to get better alarm systems. I don't know why kids are not just terrified all the time. Really, that's a strange belief, but, but we have these different beliefs that we practice uh, about Santa... But, but here's the interesting thing. Someone did the research on it a couple of years ago, uh, and, and they found out that there are 526 million children that practice Christmas on December 25th, according to their research and their estimation. That means that uh, there would be 22 million kids an hour for Santa to reach on December 24th. That means 365,000 kids a minute and 6,100 children a second. And what I really love this researcher did was they looked at the the chart because it's different in time zones. So this time zone is going from right to left if you're looking at this. And and once you get to Europe right there in the middle, man, Santa's got his work cut out for him. Same thing in uh, North and South America. Man, that's a lot of Christian homes to visit in one night. 6,100 a second. Wow, that's impressive. So this is the belief that people associate with Santa and therefore they say it's almost the same thing as God the same thing as God. So when we reject a view and a belief in Santa Claus, people often reject a view and belief in God as well. But they're completely different. They're completely different. So some of you are hearing this and thinking, yeah, Matt, that sounds absurd that Santa Claus can visit that many homes, that reindeers all of a sudden can fly, that these elves crawl around at night when nobody's looking. Of of course that's absurd. And so is it absurd to believe in any God, to believe in any miracles that could ever happen. But they're different. They're different because what we believe in as Christians is based on a man, not a myth. It's based on a man that really, truly lived, not on a myth. So I'm going to look at a passage this morning in First Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. And it's just a couple verses. A lot of times we read past them, but it gives us really the foundation of our faith and why our faith is different than faith in Santa Claus or elves or anything else. So I'll give you a second to get there. It's also in the bulletin. So let's read this passage. It says that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. It told us there the complete basis, the foundation of our faith. Did you see that? I I want you to put a box around the word through him in verse 21. Through him you believe. Through him you believe in God. This is really the, the whole foundation of this message. It's the foundation of our faith. It's through Jesus, because of Jesus, who Jesus was, that we have faith in God. It's because that he really truly lived, that he really truly died for you, and he really truly rose from the dead, that we have faith in God. It's based on a man, not a myth. Not a myth. You know, one of the most interesting things uh, about Jesus and who he is is that he fulfilled prophecy. I want you to notice back at the beginning of verse 20. That's our first point, fulfilled prophecy. In verse 20 it says that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world. So, So you can underline that. That's our first point there you have that verse, he was chosen before the creation of the world. One of the things that set apart faith in Jesus and faith in God and in the Christian faith from any other faith in the entire world is that this happened. See, when it comes to Santa Claus, Santa Claus is a myth. Yes, he was a true man. There was a man named Saint Nicholas who lived about 300 years after the time of Jesus, about 300 A.D. And he did all sorts of stuff as a bishop, but one of the things he was well known for was that he would... Um, give children coins in their shoes. They would leave them out at night and he'd give them coins. So it became this myth, hundreds and thousands of years after that, that that St. Nicholas would continue to come, especially for the Germanic people, that he would continue to come and put coins in shoes and then gifts, and it just continued to develop after the fact. But what's really interesting is the Santa Claus that we have today didn't come about until the 1800s. So this is 1500 years after St. Nicholas even lived, right? In 1809, Washington Irving was the first one to depict Santa smoking a pipe and flying over rooftops in a flying wagon. It's the first time. 1809 was the first time we get this imagery. But what's interesting, it wasn't until 1821, several years after that, that he got uh, portrayed as someone that was a little pudgy. And, and, And this time, the wagon was pulled by a reindeer, but just one reindeer. There's just one reindeer in 1821, but in 1822, the year after that, of course, the famous poem, The Night Before Christmas, was written. And that's when Santa got eight reindeer. And that's when he, you know, and then it was even after that that he started living at the North Pole. And the elves showed up, and then all of a sudden there's, he's married, you know, before that he was a bachelor. So all these things develop over time. Man, that's an even weirder thought. Who's letting this single guy coming into everybody's house in the middle of the night to leave children gifts? He'd be arrested today, wouldn't he? So this mythology develops over time. That's what happens with mythology. It it starts with a little tiny story and then it develops and and grows and, and blows out hundreds and thousands of years sometimes to the myth to get where it is today. Right? But not so with Jesus. Jesus was foretold about before he ever was born. We know this. The Hebrew Bible was written, it was even translated into Greek, 200 years before Jesus existed. So we have not only the, the original Hebrew, but it's been translated into another language before Jesus is even around. And these prophecies even predate that. Hundreds of years, seven, 800 years, some over 1,000 years before Jesus came. Prophecies about the Messiah, the Savior who would come. Let me just run down a few of these Prophecies that were made in the Bible. It was foretold that he would be from the region of Nazareth. In Micah 5 2, it tells us that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Tiny little town of two hundred people. But then it also said that he would come out of Egypt, which is what happened with Jesus. His family fled because they were trying to kill all the little boys born. Herod was, so they fled to Egypt. So Jesus did come out of Egypt, even so he was from the region of Nazareth, born in the town of Bethlehem. Or or it was foretold that he would be a descendant of Abraham, a direct descendant of King David. That's who Jesus was. It was also foretold that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be rejected by his own people, that he would be betrayed by a friend, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. That's a pretty specific prophecy. That he would be punished and killed even though he was innocent. And then, this is a bizarre prophecy, that he would be killed with sinners but buried with the rich. That's what happened with Jesus. He's buried in a rich man's grave. There's also prophecies about his hands being pierced, his bones never being broken, and his clothes divided. Because people cast dice to get them. Now, that's a lot of bizarre prophecies that were written hundreds, some, some over a thousand years before Jesus ever was born. See, Jesus was chosen by God before the creation of the world. That's what we learned in 1 Peter 1.20. Before all this happened, there's these prophecies. And that's why we believe in this man. We have faith on this man. But it's more than that. The second thing is that this man lived a real life. He lived a real human life. In verse 21, I'm sorry, in verse 20, it says, This man, chosen before the creation of the world, was revealed in these last times for your sake. You can underline that. He was revealed in these last times for your sake. And of course, the the last times are just talking about where they were in history at that point. It's been revealed. So this person called and created by God, he wasn't created, he he was uh, with God from the beginning, but emerged then as a man, a human being in real time. He was revealed. And that's what the Bible tells us. He was a human 100%. He was just like us. We read stories about him eating, drinking, sleeping, getting tired, getting sad, getting angry. He experienced the full range of human emotions just like us. He was tempted to sin, and he felt like what it was to be betrayed by friends. What, one interesting thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion is the fact that we worship a God who became man. It's so different. Matt Smethurst, a pastor, pointed this out. He said, in atheism, God is an illusion. In deism, God is an idea. That's the belief that God created the world, but isn't involved. There's, there's no involvement of God at all. In pantheism, God is an object. He's just a thing. In mysticism, God is an experience. But only in Christianity is God a person. We worship a God because of a man who truly lived in history. But that's not just the third thing. And that's really what we celebrate at Christmas, right? That God became man, that Jesus was born. We'll remember that. But the third thing in this passage that we see is that this man rose from the dead. This is probably enough right here, but I'm just giving you some extra to bolster your faith a little bit. It's said in verse 21, through him, Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead. Who raised him from the dead. That's the third point. You can underline that as well. So this is an amazing thing. I don't see any way around this. I don't see any way around this. In all these other religions, there's a man that heard from an angel, heard a word of prophecy, they they discovered something, you know, and you're just basically trusting this person. But what's unique about Christianity is that this person said he was going to die, said he was going to be raised from the dead three days later, and then did it. What? Yeah. And here's the thing that's bizarre. Not only do we have multiple accounts of this, But we see that there was Jesus who was buried, and then there was this empty tomb. Now, this was a rich man's tomb. Everybody knew where it was. The Roman soldiers even guarded it to make sure the body wasn't stolen, and then all of a sudden the body was stolen. Nope, it wasn't. The body was gone. The soldiers had been there the whole time, the best fighting force the world had ever seen, and all of a sudden this body is gone. The tomb is empty. And then on top of that is that this Jesus appeared to over 500 people who corroborated this who wrote it down, who told us about it, and then what's amazing is they gave their life for this. They were all willing to die. Many of them did. Even John, the one disciple who wasn't executed for believing in Jesus, he was exiled to an island after he was boiled alive and wouldn't die. All these people were willing to give their lives to say that Jesus, the man they knew, flesh and blood, had died and risen from the dead. Now, you don't do that if you think it's a myth. You don't. And what's amazing is that Christianity completely changed because before that, all the Jews worshipped on Saturday and only Saturday. And then all of a sudden, Jesus rises on Sunday and they change their entire religious uh, affiliation. They change everything to worship on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, they're worshipping this guy, Jesus, as God. Man, something must have had to happen for these people to change that much. It's the rise of Christianity that really shows how crazy this event was and that it actually happened. See, what we worship and what we believe in takes faith, but it's based on reality. So that's why I challenge you to base your faith on a man, not a myth. What was written about Jesus beforehand, what was written even just within the lifetime of his disciples, that's where we get our Gospels and the rest of the New Testament, within a lifetime of Jesus. This isn't a myth. This is a real man who truly lived, who truly died, and truly rose from the dead. So I challenge you, base your faith on a man, not a myth. Now, I, I do want to say this. In 2 Corinthians 5.7, we are, we are reminded that we live by believing, not by seeing. It's true. That there's this act that we weren't there. That we couldn't go into the tomb and verify. Although we have... These 500 people who saw Jesus risen from the dead. We have people that went in the tomb. People saw his hands and his feet after they had been nailed and killed. There are other people, but we don't get to see that. And there is an element of faith in it. That's why it's called faith. But what we believe is not blind faith. We believe in a man who truly lived, who truly died, who truly rose from the dead. So I want to challenge you this morning to base your faith in a man, not a myth. And I say this because it's okay to doubt. It's okay. You ever heard a pastor tell you that? It's okay to doubt. It's okay to question. It's good. We should. We should be wondering, okay, I wasn't there. How can I verify this? How can I check for myself? Because if it's true, it should change your life as much as it did those first 12 disciples. If it's true, you should check it out. You should investigate. You should not just take my word for it, but you should read for yourself. Because faith doesn't have to be contrary to fact. Fact and faith line up when it comes to Christianity. Christian faith is not Christmas magic. Do you see how different they are? Do you see how different they are? I hope so. And here's another thing. So it's okay to have doubts, and it's okay to really doubt all sorts of stuff in the world. Just because you believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ doesn't mean you have to believe in every mysterious circumstance or every person who tells you they saw a ghost or an angel. You don't have to believe every miracle story you hear about. You don't. What we believe is based, like it said in the passage, on Jesus. Our faith is based on a man. So you could doubt everything else. In fact, you can even think some of the miracles in the Bible, which I believe are true, and they are. But you can say, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure how God created the world and how that fits with evolution. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to believe all of it. But what we believe, our faith is based on one man who truly lived, truly died, and truly rose from the dead. We base our faith on a man, not a myth. And I believe that as you realize that Jesus was real and that he believed in those miracles, you're going to believe the rest of the Bible too. It's going to come. But it's okay not to believe in it right now. It's okay to be doubtful and skeptical of your friends and the stories you hear, and especially the things you read online. Okay, you can disbelieve those things. The reality is, is that we base our faith on a man, and that's a firm foundation. I've shared this illustration before, but it's so important, so important. And Tim Keller, Tim Teller uses this. You know, we going back to the thing about the pilot. It, it matters who the pilot is. You know, <laughs> not how much faith you have. It's the same thing. Just imagine now that you're falling off a cliff. Imagine that you're at the edge of a cliff looking out hundreds of feet to the bottom and you know it'll be death if you fall, right? And you're starting to slip and slide. Now you see a little tree sticking out of the side of this cliff. Would you reach out and grab it? Just would you? Thinking as you're sliding, just imagine that. Slipping and sliding. You're going to reach out and grab it no matter what. Whether you believe those roots will hold you or not. You're just going to reach. Because if the tree is good and you grab it and it holds you, then that faith is worth it. Even if it's just this tiny little faith you have. I don't know if it's going to hold me. What matters is the tree. What matters is the pilot. What matters is who you believe in. Not how much faith you have. And that's why Tim Keller does say, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. That's why we base our faith on a man, not a myth. It matters who you believe in, what you believe in. I know I've been pretty politically incorrect today. But think about it. Christianity is alone. It is unique in that we have this man who was God, who died for us and rose from the dead. And that is the man we believe in. Our faith is based on a man, not a myth. So Jesus did say in another place, all you need is the faith of a mustard seed, as tiny seed as you can have. You don't need to muster up more faith. All you need is a little bit. And base it on a man who can save you, who is faithful and trustworthy. And that's what matters. So I do want to challenge you today. Some of you need to respond um, to this because you're feeling like, wow, I, I think maybe that man was God. I think maybe he did die for my sins. Maybe he did rise from the dead. And you're ready to take that step of faith today. That you're willing to say that I do believe. And I'm going to lead a prayer at the end of my message and I want you to say that prayer and just to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to believe everything else. You can think all the other stuff is weird. You can think Christians are weirdos. It's okay. But if Jesus, if that man really did die for you, base your faith on that. And some of you today do believe but you've never really expressed it publicly and that's what next week is for. That's why we're doing baptisms next week. We have several people signed up right now but maybe you're the next one. Come talk with me because then you can say publicly that you do believe in Jesus, that you do follow Him. And it's going to be an amazing event next week. You're going to want to be here. You're going to want to get baptized if you haven't done that already, if you haven't made that decision for yourself. And and then the the last thing I want to do is I, I want us to all take that moment that we're going to celebrate that faith by the real man who truly lived, who had a body, who had real blood, and we're going to take communion together. So, Let's pray and then we're going to take communion. I think Bobby's going to come up here too. Um, Lord God, we we just come before you and we're so thankful that you did send your son. That we don't have to take this blind leap of faith. But the leap of faith we take is based on someone who is trustworthy. The real man who really lived in history. Who was foretold about in prophecy. Who came and existed as a real man, not as a myth. And that died for us as a historical fact and rose from the dead. And that's an amazing thing. So, Lord, for the person right now who's, who's had their heart stirred and maybe for the first time they believe, Lord, I pray that you would hear them as we pray together. So with everybody's eyes closed, um, would you just repeat this prayer with me? Everybody repeat it, but, but if this is your first time, I want this to be especially significant for you. Um, let's pray. Lord God, it's hard to believe sometimes, but I will put my faith... In a real man. Your son. Jesus. Would you forgive me of my sins. And give me eternal life. Thank you. And help me to follow you.